0: It's like work relentlessly hard on something, achieve it, celebrate it just as hard as you worked on it, yeah. real important. I don't think people celebrate hard enough. Mm-hmm. Like real, really party for one night, make yeah. it the biggest night of your life. If it's something that's, yeah. you know, you've really worked hard to achieve and spent a long time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: really celebrate it in that one moment.
1: Do you find yourself winging your way through life, hoping you'll figure it all out on the way? Hello, it's me, Gabby Mendez, your 20s wingwoman, and you're listening to the Talk 20s podcast. Here you'll find me chatting to influential 20-somethings on different topics that matter to you in your 20s and all the things we never got taught in school. This is your ultimate guide to adult life. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talk 20s podcast. Don't forget to click that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Ash Jones. Ash is the founder of personal branding agency, Great Influence. He has helped to build some of the UK's biggest CEOs and founders into industry-leading influential figures on social media. His journey started with Stephen Bartlett, CEO of Social Chain, where he was part of the founding team. Stephen is now widely considered one of the UK's most influential entrepreneurs with his number one business podcast, Diary of a CEO, Sunday Times bestselling book, Happy Sexy Millionaire, and being the youngest dragon on BBC One's Dragon's Den. Since then, Ash has worked with a number of CEOs and founders, most notably Umar Kumani, uh, CEO of Pretty Little Thing, Oliver Cookson, founder of My Protein, Julian Hearn, founder of Hure and Sasha Lord, founder of Park Life and the Warehouse Project. Today we're going to be talking about how meeting one person can change the whole course of your life. So Ash, welcome to the studio. It's great to have you here. Good to be here. Thanks so much for coming in. My
0: so pleasure.
1: I'm so excited to have you on because you have such an interesting story. Like, and I'm so looking forward to kind of having this conversation with you because, you know, from what I see you posting on social media, kind of your journey has really transformed, and it all kind of began in your late twenties-ish, obviously. Mid twenties. Kind of Mid twenties-ish, yeah. yeah. Twenty-five. Yeah.
0: To be yeah. Precise.
1: Okay. Tell us what happened at twenty-five.
0: Um. I kind of see it as like two halves of life, so to speak, from when I was like 16 to 25 and then 25 to now. And 16 to 25 was, not that it was bad, but I wasn't the best son, if you ask my parents, (laughs) because I just didn't want to do anything. Not that I didn't want to do anything. I was holding out for finding the right thing. Um, But in, in doing that... Uh, I struggled to like get jobs, keep jobs. I never had a job for more than a month and I'd always quit after a month. Um, I went to university, dropped out, went to college, dropped out, went to college again, dropped out. Um, And the longest and most enjoyable job that I had during that period was I was a cleaner in the gym Um, and I was on the dole for a couple of years. and yeah, just do my mom's head in generally because <laughs> I wasn't sorting myself out. Yeah. Um, but I just had this like, and I've spoke to a few people since, and I've realised that I wasn't alone in that. In mm. people that just felt that there was something that they hadn't found yet and weren't willing to go where everyone else. From where they were from was going. Everyone from where I grew up was going to become a teacher and working in estate agents and mm-hmm. all those kind of things. And it just wasn't for me at all. Um and I'm really, really stubborn. And I just refused to kind of accept what was in front of me. Um and I just had like a almost like foolish belief at times that something was gonna find me. Mm-hmm. Um and then I had a conversation with my mom before I went on holiday one year and it was just before I was turning 25. And she was like, promise me when you get back, you'll sort yourself out. Um, so I saw this video on, I'm a Man City fan and I saw a video on their Twitter and it was like a behind the scenes look at the team who run like on a match day. Um, and you they did this bit on the social media team and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to like mm. do Man City's social media. Um, And I was on my phone all the time anyway. So it just felt the right thing to do. Like, oh, go try, do this. So I decided to go to uni and study um, marketing management thinking like, right, okay, marketing, social media, that would be my path. Um, But I was 25 at the time and I didn't, as I've just told you, I had nothing like on my CV. Um, And I thought, right, I'm 25. I'm gonna get out of university at like 28. And everyone else that's going to get out of university is going to be like 21 22 so they're going to be six years younger i really struggle to get out of bed in the morning and they're just going to have more chance than me someone's going to take a chance on them rather than me Mm -hmm. um so i thought i need something else to go with this university thing um and i got real good at living on no money as you can imagine um (laughs) so a student loan to me was like riches like I was sorted yeah so I thought right okay I've got three years and I can do whatever I want in those three years for me the university thing was actually like a bit of I would like to study marketing but a bit of buying myself more time okay yeah um and I knew I needed something else to go along with it and I was at a battle rap event so I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube, like on Eight, yeah. eight Mile yeah. where at the end they're like <laughs> two guys on a stage yeah. throwing words at each other. I went to one of those events in Manchester. Um, and a friend of mine that I was at college with, he was like, Oh, you should meet this guy, Steve. He's starting a business, and you're like going to study business. So he introduced me to this guy, Steve. Um and these events, they're like very social. Like they're groups of people that come together because they all love the the battle rap thing, mm-hmm. and they're like all hanging out in their big groups. Um, and I remember standing there and watching this eighteen-year-old kid, Steve, just in a social setting. Like, and the way he held court in a social setting, I was like, he feels very captivating. He's mm. got everyone's interest mm. here. Um, and then I spoke with him a bit. He was living in Moss Side at the time, maybe Moss Side, yeah. Um, and he told me he had this idea for like a student notice board online. He just dropped out of uni. Um, and I went and met him one day. Oh, no, 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 no. There's a bit before that that's way more interesting. <laughs> I'm so I leave the, the event and it's like mid April. And then I leave it a couple of weeks and I drop him a message on Facebook. Um, and I'm like, hey, I hope whatever you were doing that you mentioned went well. Um, I'm free for the next couple of years. I'm at uni and mm. I keep getting told that networking is really important. Yeah. So this is like me shooting my shot. Um, I'd love to like talk about working with you on this thing that you're doing. And he ignored me, like he read it and left it. Yeah. Um, and then like two weeks later, I sent another message and it was literally just you know you can do that little sign that pokes up like a upwards arrow yeah i did two of those as if to say like hey (laughs) the message above (laughs) love it um and then he got back to me and he was like oh hey sorry yada 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 um and obviously this steve kid is stephen bartlett um and he's 18 at the time this is 2012 um and i 10 years ago yeah and I think about that message sometimes, the follow-up one that I sent. Yeah, because you, and if I have just left it, Yeah. because I've sent messages like that before and you don't get a reply, whatever, you move yeah. on. But something just made me like come back to it. And yeah. it's like one of those, I don't know if you've seen that film, Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's like one of those moments where mm. I'm like, I don't even want to think about yeah. the alternate.
1: Your life would be totally different. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, insanely. Um. So anyway, I go and meet up with him. I cycle from my parents' house in Sale to Moss Side, um, and I remember it. I've got the worst memory, but I just remember that cycle. I was li- I know what album I was listening to. No Effects on the way there, cycling there, mm-hmm. um, and I got there, and it's this like little rundown house that it seems there's about six people living in it that none of them know each other. One of them is Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, And the lights, he's just told me that the lights were out all day yesterday. There was no electricity. They couldn't sort anything. Um, And he's like, right, okay, I'll show you this idea. And he gets his laptop. And this is before like any of us had MacBooks. Like we all have MacBooks now. I remember having laptops, like PC laptop thing. And when the wire would like, it wouldn't charge the laptop. So he had to like wrap sellotape around it and stuff like that. I remember those days. So his (laughs) laptop has like, so much sellotape around this power cable to keep it in. (laughs) And the screen has actually snapped off the body, but that's held together as well. And the screen's got a crack on it, I'm sure, or something like that. And he's shown me this idea um, of this student website. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. Um, I'll work for free for you for as long as I'm at university. Mm. Um, And we just started working on it there was uh we had like one or two meetings with a few people and um he was really driving it forward and he was trying to find people to help him with it and I was one of those people there was another guy called Jamie Bolden um who used to sit with us and help us with it and he went on to build Jungle Creations which is like one of the biggest media publishers in the UK along with Lad Bible now um and We were working on it for maybe like, I was involved for like a year. And then Steve met this kid called Dom. Mm. um, Dom McGregor. And Dom comes in, we work on Warpark. Warpark finishes. I finish my third year, they go off traveling. Mm. Um, And about nine months later, this is like September, 2014. I moved to London for my final year. Um, And I realized that London is a little bit more expensive than Manchester and my student loan doesn't stretch that far. So I'm like, I need some money. Yeah. I was like, who do I know? And I'm like, Oh, I think Steve's going to be in London. Um, so I drop him a message and the whole social chain thing came about during Warpark. There was a summer break in 2013. And that meant that we had nothing to do on Warpark. So we were like, well, we've got these student pages that we've been using to try drive traffic onto Warpark. Why don't we try like, reach out to some brands and sell like advertising space on the mm-hmm. pages? And we sat down one day, and Steve was like, right, we'll all collect a hundred emails each. Fastest to do it, whatever. We get a hundred emails. We send them all off. Obviously, nobody replies, apart from one person. Which is Umar Kamani's CEO of Pretty Little Thing. Mm. So Social Chain's first client, like two years before Social Chain was even a thing, was like Pretty Little Thing, and they weren't even a thing. Yeah. Um, and now you look at where PLT is now and it's yeah, the same. Um so that happened, and then that was like social chain without a name or an idea of what it was, but the concept was there, and then it got put back in the little drawer mm. and Warpark carried on with. Then Warpark ends, they go traveling, I finish uni, we I meet up with Steve in London, and he's like, "Remember that social chain thing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Well, we've me and Dom have just got investment for it, and we're gonna build a team, and we're gonna have it in London, and a couple of people that we'd kind of done the wall park thing, were doing it as well, Catty and Hev." Um, and he was like, "Are you in?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it." The rest is history. Mm.
1: And so you mentioned when you talk a lot on social media that you joined Social Chain for a little while, but that wasn't a, yeah. a straight journey either, was it, when you are part no. of Social Chain? Can you tell no. us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I got fired from Social Chain, um, which I was actually, I never told anyone this until about maybe six months ago. Wow. Um, because obviously it was like, Social Chain was everything to me. Um, and it was a real difficult thing to be let go and it was almost like a shame thing um and i guess only six months ago i was like i feel like i can own it now mm. um and so i joined in september 2014 when they get investment there's like five of us at this point me steve dom Hevs there katie hannah and then lisa um and Obviously social chain like starts off in Hammersmith in London, in the investor's office as like we have a table amongst the investors team. Um, And then we move to Manchester in February, 2015. Social chain starts rapidly growing. It goes from like five people to 10, to 15, to 20, to 25. Get to the end of the year, 2015, and it's like 30 people um and i was my role was like marketing director which if anyone's read happy sexy millionaire around page 170 there's a chapter which talks about like my story mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how steve gave me the job of marketing director without so much as an interview mm-hmm. um and i was still at uni i didn't even know how to you know run a twitter account never mind be a marketing director yeah. um so i really struggled like the way that we it was my job to get the name of social chain out there to brands and agencies and just within the industry and make a bit of noise and that kind of thing. And I went about it in all the wrong ways. I Googled how to go about it. Mm. And it was like conventional B2B marketing, social media, white paper, events, case studies. Da, 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 da. Um, so I did all those things and none of them worked. And at the end of the year we sat down and we were like, where's all the business coming from? like tried to track what was happening. And it was like marketing, 0% of business. Stephen Bartlett, 80% of business. Mm. So it was like, Ash, what are you doing here? Mm. Um, And at the end of that year, it was just, I was struggling personally. I think my, I was, I knew I wasn't doing well. And that was affecting like my, I was anxious coming into work every day. Mm. I had no confidence. I was trying to hide my lack of, activity within the business and all this kind of stuff and being able to move the needle. And then that anxiety bled into the weekend and what I was doing on the weekend was then harming the week. Kind of, if you've heard Dom's story, mm. not too far off. Yeah. Um, For those who
1: don't know Dom's story, it's quite an interesting one. Steve talks about it quite a lot, quite openly, but yeah. throughout his time, his social chain um, turned to alcohol. Mm. But then um, after kind of an intervention between Steve and Dom, he, um, He's gone sober. I think he's five years, five sober, years now. sober now, yeah, which is Unreal. amazing.
0: Um, but I think he, we've not spoke about it, but if we did, I think we'd come to the same conclusions as to why that was. We were both struggling to cope with the task at hand for both of us. Obviously Dom's was greater than mine, um, but we both struggled and we both like turned to things to try escape mm-hmm. the anxiety and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing, which in turn, when you turn back in on Monday, mm. don't help the situation yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's just a cycle of and September onwards for me in 2015 was not great and then it just Mm -hmm. um and I was really struggling like anxiety and depression and stuff like that and it just all came to a head and there was really they should have done it like 10 months earlier like Mm. obviously it was a really difficult decision for Steve and Dom to make but they made it eventually and it was 100% the right decision um but yeah I had to leave and that was like a really difficult as you can imagine I'd never had anything in my life that gave me purpose and then I found it had the single greatest year of my life like 2015 was unreal Mm. and then you get L- like chucked out and it's like mm-hmm. oh where do I go from here mm-hmm. so yeah
1: so that wasn't the end for your social change journey though no so there was a little Crawled bit in between my way back in. yeah <laughs> <laughs> how did you get back in and how did you know that that was like the right next step <clears throat> for you and how did you know that what had happened previously yeah. wasn't gonna wasn't, wasn't gonna happen again
0: they just couldn't get rid of me
1: yeah
0: <laughs> um no, I left and I decided to start a like social media thing for young people. So like I tried to set up this thing where it was like young people can come and learn how to use social media. Mm-hmm. That failed like immensely. Um, but whilst I why, was doing that- Why do you that, think
1: that failed? Like was I it just-,
0: just No experience, no passion, no understanding, yeah. no no real drive to do it. It mm-hmm. was almost just like, what can I do? Yeah. Rather than coming from a place of like- I know what I want to do and I'm yeah. really good at this. Um, and during that me and Steve started talking again during those months in the middle of 2016 and we'd just been having conversations like not proper conversations, but just every now and then we would say like, Oh, you should start a YouTube channel. Um, cause I saw him do a talk in 2012 at a university. Um, And I remember watching it and thinking, this is really good. Mm. You should put this on YouTube. Mm. And we just had that conversation every now and then, like, oh, you should start a YouTube channel. And the answer was always like, no, or he just wasn't too interested. But then social change starts growing and you see what's happening. Like, I remember me personally, I don't know about Steve, but I remember looking at Gary Vaynerchuk in the US. Yeah. And he was on like maybe episode seventy-five of his daily vlog, so maybe mm. like two and a half months in. And I was like, "This is this is sick." Yeah. And no one's doing this in the UK. Mm-hmm. You look at the UK in terms of who who are the entrepreneurs that have a f- like a public figure in this way, either on TV or social media or something like that. And it was like Richard Branson, the Dragons, Alan Sugar. Yeah. It was very old school, yeah. traditional, and mm-hmm. no one was doing it on social media. Um, so I think the cogs just started turning in his own head and he was like let's start that youtube channel mm-hmm. but we what we did was i would come into the office at midnight when everyone had left and then we'd just film some videos and put them on facebook we'd film to like 4 in the morning if you go way back if anyone wants to put themselves through it in steve's vlogs there's like a couple of clips of us like Steve's like oh we've just finished filming a video it's 2 30 in the morning on Tuesday we've just finished filming a video um and we did that for a couple months on Facebook and those Facebook videos started getting some of them got like four or five hundred thousand views and we were like okay there might be something here Mm -hmm. um and then all of a sudden it was like right okay let's try see if we can do this properly and I went from coming in at midnight till four in the morning shooting videos to then like part-time, like he'd see me around the office every now and then. (laughs) Um, And then I got offered a full-time job doing Steve's personal brand. And I was like, I'm back, baby. You're
1: back. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I think one of the things that like, when we chatted like beforehand, Mm. you talk a lot about like work ethic and how that kind of changed throughout your twenties to, kind of where you are now, where I think, well, to me, it appears like you work incredibly hard. I think it's also like the passion is there and you found what it was you wanted to do. But you talk a lot about how, like, when, before you met Steve, you had like, well, you admitted it yourself, but yeah. Not like
0: the the single worst work ethic in the world. Like, ask my mom, ask my dad. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's interesting how it's changed because now like, I mean, it's just the bar, like the bar for me is Steve's work ethic, yeah. and you can't (laughs) match it, no. (laughs) but it drags you to a closer point um, Mm -hmm. without you even knowing it over time. But I think the thing that's important for work ethic is like feeling confident, feeling purpose, and feeling like you're good at what you do, Mm -hmm. which is like, I worked with Steve, I saw how hard he worked, and trying to match that work ethic in social chain was impossible because I wasn't confident. I wasn't good at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have purpose. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't, I didn't really, not that I didn't understand what social chain did. I just didn't really care. I didn't care about all the campaigns yeah. looking back in hindsight now. I cared about like, I cared about Steve and the, like the, f- it's going to sound a bit ridiculous but the fame side of it Mm -hmm. like all this is growing and it's people are taking notice and all that kind of thing um so yeah it's i was with him that whole period Mm -hmm. and my work ethic changed dramatically um but it changed it really changed when i started a believing that i was good at something b having the confidence to do it um and then C, having purpose, mm. like great influence now. I've only really found a work ethic that I think is really good that I should be really proud of in the last 12 months. And mm. I've been running great influence for three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a journey. But if, if my work ethic was, ugh, ask steve as well he
1: knows (laughs) so i think we all know like from watching steve grow that he has been able to achieve so many different things like his book happy sexy millionaire that you've just chatted about the podcast has gone on to achieve amazing things he did a live show that we both were at last week um which you actually said was something that totally inspired you but i think when he sets the bar like so high does does he continue to inspire you like every single day 100%
0: maybe not every single day (laughs) but 100% um yeah of course and it's it's not even like I'd sat here say this trust me it's not just me Mm. like or I was I met somebody who used to work at social chain yesterday we went for coffee and he was just like the exact same yeah and somebody else who used to work at social chain the exact same the exact same the exact same um but definitely, and like, it's like that, that Diary of a CEO live show. Like, I'm a songwriter. That's my like mm-hmm. true passion below everything. Um, I've been writing songs since I was 16. It was what I always wanted to do. It was one of those things that I just would never, ever, ever give up on. Um, and my favorite venue in the world is Albert Hall in Manchester. Mm-hmm. And I went to see Father John Misty there one night, and I was at the back of the venue and it, it, he felt so far away, and he's like this this Jesus kind of figure on the stage. His mm. performance level was unbelievable, and I remember being stood there thinking, "I just can't get near that." Mm. And then fast forward three years, I'm in the same venue, I'm on the front row, and my best friend is sat there, yeah, doing it, and he's he doesn't even it's not in his
1: yeah, you wouldn't expect it to be one of his goals. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly.
0: But he's doing it anyway. Yeah. So, um. I think that, and Steve used to say this as well, that it's important for you to have case studies for your own life and your Mm -hmm. own achievements, like something that you can relate to and go, ah, so it is possible. And not like something that, you know, a celebrity achieving something or somebody that you don't know going on a path, like, I don't know stormzy from where he was to where he is Mm -hmm. now like that's not a case study you don't know stormzy Mm. you need people that you can literally see them you know them you you know the behind the scenes you know the truth you see the hard work Mm -hmm. um to be able to help you bridge the gap Mm -hmm. for what you want to do and that's been the case like that moment in the albert hall for me now that's that's an achievable thing like in my head No matter how far it might seem, it's still achievable now, whereas it wasn't before. Mm -hmm. And it was the case with starting Great Influence as well. Not with Steve, but with other people that had left social chain and set something up. I was like, oh, well, if they they can do do it, it, then surely it's not as hard as it looks. Mm -hmm. It's it's solvable. And I think that's, a lot of the time to me, things didn't feel solvable. Mm -hmm. Like setting up a business just didn't, I didn't know. What, how? Mm. But then if somebody I know that's done it, that I think, well, they're not that different than me. Mm-hmm. It makes me think well, it must be solvable. I just don't know how mm. yet, but it's possible. And definitely. I think you need that in life. And Steve has definitely been like a real beacon for that, for for me and a lot of people that mm-hmm. have worked with him.
1: Well, we've called this episode, Find Your Stephen Bartlett. And I think mm-hmm. it's true for a lot of people. Um, who even myself, I've got people in my life that if I hadn't met, would I be doing what I'm doing today, working full-time for Talk20s? Probably not because they've shown me that it's possible to have a business and go for it and make it a success and do that. But if you, like you say, if you rewind back like four years, I didn't know anyone who had a business. My parents didn't have a business. Um, I didn't know anyone who was my age, who was doing their own thing, who had like a public, media outlet that they were kind yeah. of putting out there. But I've seen other people do it and I know them really well. Um, good example of that is like a Olivia Hanlon Girls in Marketing. Yeah. She's like been a really good friend. And just to watch how she's built her platform and built her team, I've gone, yeah, I like, I could do that too. And I think, you know, there's pe- people in your life, whether it obviously it's like one standout person, like Steve for you or, or other people in your life that are like that, that kind of help you think, yeah, if, if they can do it, like they're leading the way, they're paving the way, it's possible for, for other people too. So I think that's, that's really inspiring to kind of take away from, from this conversation, definitely. Mm. You talk a lot about how um, Steve keeps you accountable. Yeah. And still to this day, he does that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how that works.
0: In the worst ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Steve's in great shape right now, unbelievable shape, um, and that's been a journey for him, where he's not been. And now he's, you know, if you follow him on, on Instagram, he's regularly saying that his health is his first foundation and all these kind mm-hmm. of things, and you can really mm-hmm. feel it in what he's, what he's saying and how he's acting. Um, and my own like fitness to me is is a core of my life. Um and mine has always been up and down, up and down, mm-hmm. or yo-yo. Yeah. Yo, I would probably say i the same. Brand, I, as, I, as love, I love I love fitness, say.
1: but I'm the same. I'm a yo-yo. It's yeah. like
0: and it's like this time last year, I had a six pack. I look real good in those holiday photos. And then lockdown three, I put on like 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm like on the right path again. But in the past couple of months, I've been on the right path and working. Um, And even in those those moments, Steve was in Manchester recently shooting dragons and I'd wake up, like I've set my alarm at 6am cause I'm getting up to work out, like I'm in that mood. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I wake up, Two minutes earlier, I've got a message like, Are you awake? <laughs> Are you willing to work today? <laughs> um, and he's like, You're scared, aren't you? You're scared of the hard work. <laughs> and He's just like toying with me and stuff. And he's like, If you're serious, you'll get up and get to the gym now. And he's like, In the gym down the road. I need with, like, someone s-
1: like, Shh. Can I yeah. be added into this group chat, please? Because I need this in yeah. my life.
0: <laughs> um, and even that, like, even with stuff like that, he's he keeps like it's accountability to a level that i just couldn't achieve Mm -hmm. myself or would Mm -hmm. struggle to um and it's it's high performance mindset and it's something that i've personally really bought into in the last six months i think i've struggled with a lot of um like anxiety and things like that and i have these it's like being on a roller coaster and you know end of october i remember specifically being at the top of the roller coaster like yeah life is unreal and then november hits and i'm like i've gone down oblivion yeah um and i'm like how does this happen and for me it was always like two weeks and then two weeks and two weeks and two weeks um but it started i had a period where it was longer than two weeks the down and Mm. i was like what and I start, I'd, I'd been in and out of therapy, in and out of therapy, therapy's the thing for me where it's always like, if I have a bad moment, I go there and it really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something I've done permanently, but it's something I've always returned to. Um, and I thought, what's the solution to me not ending back up in therapy, like this cycle? Mm-hmm. And it was just high performance. Like if you stick to a high performance lifestyle the downs don't last. Mm-hmm. They, obviously you can't avoid them, but they don't seem to last as long. Mm-hmm. Um, and fitness is a really key part of that. And having a high performance approach with fitness is really difficult to sustain because there's a very fine balance between um working out to achieve a goal where you overextend how much you're working out and you hit a point of burnout, you achieve the goal and then all of a sudden you fall back. Yeah. Okay. I so won. how do you create a middle point where mm-hmm. you're not chilling and whatever but you're not going hard all the time yeah. and you create something that's sustainable and it's that like ha- consistent high performance yeah it's performance. like a sweet spot isn't it where yeah steve yeah. refers to it as the one season mentality where okay. life is yeah. one season so it's like trying to figure rather that than out.
1: like trying to do something amazing for summer and then you're and then, trying to yeah, yeah go backwards yeah. and stuff
0: um, and with that like the high performance thing i'm better at it <laughs> But there's definitely moments where if you leave me to my own devices, I could slip. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm getting better at that as time goes on. But he's been the thing again, where it's like on the days where obviously you should take rest days and, you know, Mm -hmm. with your best days, take rest days and all that kind of thing. (laughs) But there are days when I'm like, I don't need a rest day, but I also don't want to really go out and get it. And he'd be that thing that would be like are you working today? Yeah. (laughs) And it's that accountability that goes beyond what I can achieve that kind of, um, and then there's like the subconscious accountability that he doesn't even realize that I don't even realize, which is like, you know, he's got his own team and what they're achieving. And I look at everything that they're doing and it makes me work and Mm. my team at Great Influence work hard because we see what they're doing. And um, it's just this like, cycle of of accountability um that i find and i find that the closer i am to him not physically (laughs) (laughs) but you know if i'm keeping up conversation with him and and things like that and um we're in good moments and things like that then things seem to be Mm. going better for me and i'm more accountable and Mm. i'm able to hold to a higher standard which in turn keeps me away from Mm the lower moments and I can pull out of the easier and all this kind of thing. It's a really
1: interesting way of looking at it. Cause I feel like the thing that kind of made you that the person that you are today, which I think you'd probably say you're quite happy with yourself for the way life is going for you and so stuff happy. like that.
0: Yeah.
1: The, the, the kind of, it seems like, I don't want to give him so much credit, but it seems like the one like seed that has helped all of that yeah. has been having that person of such great influence in, in your life. oh my God, I used great influence in a sentence. (laughs) So has this all come back, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, yeah. And I think we spoke about like the theme for this episode, like find your Stephen Bartlett. And I found the person that, and I think it's, you do need to like be driven yourself and motivated and and with purpose. And it is you at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like this is what Steve will say, he's like, I didn't do any of this, Yeah, you did it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is you at the end of the day, but for the majority of people, like there's a, you know, that helping hand really helps guide. Um, and I think it's just, it's been the thing that's like literally changed my life in more ways than I could ever mm-hmm. sit here and say. Um, and the thing is, is like, there's more of them out there. Yeah. They exist. Mm-hmm. I know several of them, mm-hmm. several of them are clients. Yeah. And they're people that when you spend time around them, they give energy. Like Carrie Rose is a great yeah. example.
1: Carrie's amazing. If
0: you spend time around Carrie, and this is why, you know, we rise the culture there. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, rise at seven. Yeah. If, you, if you don't know who yeah. they are, definitely check them out.
0: Um, and, you know, there's young people in this country that are doing brilliant things that just have this energy mm-hmm. that when you hang around with them, you get energy and then the next person gets energy and you mm-hmm. can feed off that energy. Um, and if you're the type of person who sits there and thinks, I'm not willing to settle. I've not quite found my thing yet, but I know there's something more for me out there. Like the most important thing that you could do right now is go find the person that, you, that can help give you that mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. Because I've been in that situation where I, my self-belief is unshakable but when you're sat there 24 years old on the dole at three in the morning playing fifa Mm. and you're like that self-doubt creeps into the back of your head and you're like i'm gonna be like 30 soon and Mm. actually the um the music thing for me is a real interesting example of this where i remember thinking like if it's not worked out by 30 it's done Mm. um but i just had like a unshakable self-belief and one day last year i was like okay i've got a bit of time on my hands i'm just gonna i had these demos on my iphone like me singing Mm -hmm. with a guitar these songs that i'd wrote into an iphone and i thought i'm just gonna look at who produced like my favorite albums and just see if i can find a name or something like that whatever Mm -hmm. um i just got this vinyl of one of my favorite albums it's by a guy uh who's from Manchester called Cherry Ghost. Um, And it's called Beneath This Burning Shoreline. I flip the vinyl over, look on the back, produced by Dan Austin. Google Dan Austin, look at his creds. Um, Cherry Ghost is the producer of Doves who are like one of my favorite bands. Um, Massive Attack, Pixies, like just the list of people that he's worked with is astounding. And I find an email for his management and I email his management. I'm like, this is the longest shot I've ever took in my life. But mm. here's a few iPhone demos. Mm-hmm. Um, I get an email back two days later. Hey, it's Dan. Listen to the iPhone demos. Can we talk? Oh, um, and I have a phone call with him. And as I take that phone call, he's produced the number one album in the country. Wow. Um, and we talked. He's like, there's a lot to do here, but there's something here in these songs. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm running a business i'm Mm -hmm. nothing on Mm -hmm. that on the music front Mm -hmm. and he's like come to my place in bath um and we'll just hang out for a weekend and see what we can do with these songs go to his place in bath we work on these songs for the weekend and one of them i'm driving home from bath we've finished a demo and i'm like this is it this is the thing that i've been thinking exists in my head but obviously when it's you know just me and a guitar it doesn't Mm. it can't go anywhere i'm not ed sheeran yeah um but then i work with somebody who has the right tools and Mm -hmm. things like that and he made it sound amazing and i'm driving back and i'm like this is this is on Mm -hmm. this is real and i'm 33 at this point and i'm like thank god that Mm -hmm. unshakable self-belief didn't burn out
1: Mm -hmm. when
0: i was 23 writing songs and like this is Mm. this isn't going to work.
1: I think so many people listening to this right now will just be thinking like, and there's a lot of people from speaking to the community that that definitely this whole mindset that like, you've got to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve by no 30 way. and it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. There's so much, there's so many things that, you know, just one, get better with age. Like I'm learning that in my late 20s. Yeah, And there there isn't this like cut off point like that, you have to achieve everything by then. Like it's it's no. absolutely ridiculous. And I think if you have that mindset, that only closes you off to opportunity after that point. And yeah, like, I think if you look back at like, you know, like Oprah and there's so many like amazing people, JK Rowland being another one, if you yeah. look at what they were doing like in their twenties, it's completely different to like the lifestyle that they lead right now. And they didn't make it as such until, you know, way later in life. And I think, Having that mindset of like, oh, I've got to achieve X, Y, Z before thirty, is just
0: oh, crazy. It's, it's a killer. Yeah. Um, and I think of like now, anyone as you grow old, like even, you know, when you're twenty, looking back at how you were at sixteen, you mm-hmm. just think idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and me, at th- I'm thirty three now. Yeah. And I look back to me at. 30 and I'm just like you knew nothing (laughs) how did you achieve a single thing because you literally like don't know anything Mm -hmm. um and it's really interesting in the uh the team that we've got a great influence like Claudia mid mid Mm mid-20s achieving an unbelievable amount Mm -hmm. and I'm Claudia like, is
1: amazing. We had her on the podcast not too long ago, talking yeah, about elevating, yeah, elevating your voice online. So listen back to that episode if you want to listen to Claudia.
0: Yeah, and I think of everything that she's achieving now, and like when I was that age. And she texted me this morning. She was like, "Um, sorry, I've I've had a bad week," and I was like, "What are you on about?" Mm. I was like, "The aim here isn't to be perfect. Mm-hmm. The aim is in the name. It's to be great." Yeah great isn't perfect mm-hmm. you can't be perfect all the time but you are great mm-hmm. and you're also still young mm-hmm. so it's like a lot of time I can feel the and you know with other people in the team that real high ambitions I can feel it and it it can be a double-edged sword mm-hmm. um in that yeah it spurs you forward but also it can make you think that you're not doing as well as mm-hmm. you're really do like Claudia should be on cloud Five million, never mind mm-hmm. nine.
1: I think there's an element of like setting the goals so high that once yeah. you reach it, you then set another goal and then you never really celebrate the initial yeah. goal that you've achieved. Yeah. Cause I think that's that's like the the when you say like a double-edged sword with like high performance, I think that is it, that you never really are truly satisfied yeah. with the achievements that you do have. Do you think Steve's ever really, truly satisfied with his achievements? Because I think Happy Sexy Millionaire is a a whole book that's pretty much about that really, isn't it? So
0: there's a very interesting anecdote with Happy Sexy Millionaire. The book comes out, unbelievable moment. Mm. Um, And he had a bit of a a party for his team in London um, to celebrate the book coming out. And I was there and we have like a great night and we're chilling on the couch afterwards and... I say to him, I'm like, I can't remember what I said, but it was like, what, what now? Mm. And he's like, it's done. I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, the book it's done. Mm. After today, like we celebrated it tonight, it's done. <laughs> and he's like, on to the next thing. Wow. And in that moment, I was just like, okay, that's... He's, that's the right way to do it because he's not forgot to celebrate it. Yeah, he has. That was a great night. <laughs> it, it was a great night, great celebration. Yeah, and um, it's like work relentlessly hard on something, achieve it, celebrate it just as hard as you worked on it. Yeah, real important. I don't think people celebrate hard enough. Mm-hmm. Like real, really party for one night, make yeah. it the biggest night of your life. If it's something that's, yeah. you know, you've really worked hard to achieve and spent a long time, mm-hmm. really celebrate it in that one moment. But then the next day,
1: okay. Wake up and start again.
0: We go again, what's Heather. next?
1: So in terms of like all the things we've chatted about in this podcast, how have you taken what, you know, Steve has been in your life and kind mm. of, do you believe that like you're that person for maybe your team or for other people out there? Do you kind of spread it in different ways, do you think?
0: Um, I mean, I just try to be, I've, I've got like, not a lot of imposter syndrome, but constantly battle between that thing of like, I'm super self-confident, unshakable self-belief. But then also like, I wasn't, I never planned on, even just in my head, I'm like, don't say being an entrepreneur, cause you're not an entrepreneur, <laughs> but I run a business so, does that make me an entrepreneur? I don't know, but it's that that internal battle of being like, well, I wasn't even meant to be doing this. I'm not, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm figuring out as I go with unshakable beliefs. So it's like a a thing between the two Um, and it keeps my feet on the floor very firmly. Mm -hmm. But I do now, and as time goes, I do understand the influence and responsibility that I have to the team that, are at great influence and i think um i actually said this to claudia last week as well who was it there was a maybe it was a drake song i was listening to something there was a line in it where he was like uh a boss is a role that i've grown into and i I, the line twigged with me and i was like yeah (laughs) Mm, um and Not like a boss, like a boss, boss, but a boss, like, you know, self-confidence, like I can I can lead, Mm -hmm. I can give you confidence, I'm helping assure the people that work with us and all that kind of thing. So it's definitely a role that I'm trying to take the influence of people around me, and not just Steve, but other, you know, in an insanely fortunate position with great influence where our clients just happen to be. People that have built businesses and managed mm. people and led mm. with influence and all these kind of things. So I'm surrounded by unbelievable mentors, mm. um, and I try to take everything that that they say and and how they've done it. And it's like a cheat code. I listen to them for the work, and mm. then I'm like, I'm going to take this. Yeah, um, and I try to implement it with with the team because I know we've got a young team, and I've been in their position. And even with situations where, um. We had to let someone go recently and I saw myself in the position. Mm. It was like me at Social Chain. Yeah. So how I approached it was try to like understand like not take myself out of it and be like put yourself in their shoes because you were in their shoes. So what would you want in hmm. that moment? What do you think is best for the you that sat there 5 years ago? Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that's that's just try how, how I try to do things. I'm not trying to say that i'm great at what i do or good at what i do or i'm a good leader or anything like that i'm just trying to look at the examples from people that i'm mm-hmm. insanely fortunate to be surrounded with and take some of that and implement it in the ways mm-hmm. that i think are the best way to do it
1: mm-hmm. i think a key point from this episode is just like surround yourself with people that are gonna push you harder and inspire mm-hmm. you. And, and then the other yeah. thing
0: to that is this is something that when one of our team joined we went for drinks and i said it to him and i was like what you've now become a part of that you'll see over time is that you've just opened the door to a very important circle Mm. and trust me you're never going to want to leave because it's unbelievable you'll have the greatest days of your life you'll have the greatest nights of your life you'll work real hard you'll learn a shitload Mm. you'll party like you've never seen before (laughs) um but always remember in those moments when this happens that i'm talking about that the reason that you're there is because of the work Mm -hmm. and it's because you add value to what they're building and it's the work ethic and your drive and your Mm -hmm. passion and all those kind of things. And don't let that get lost in when you do surround yourself with the right people, remember why you're there. Mm. And there's been these moments where we've had like these unbelievable celebrations and Mm -hmm. I've looked at them and they're like, this is Mm -hmm. is awesome. Like Diver CEO Live, great night. And we're like celebrating afterwards and all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it's one of those moments where you're just like, you know someone in our team tom that's left uni and his first job out of uni is is working at great influence he's moved from wales to manchester from Mm. small town into this and he's like all of a sudden front row, albert hall watching steve hanging out with all the team afterwards celebrating all this kind of thing carries there there's you know Mm. all these people that he's kind of looked up to and stuff like that and that inspire and it's like in that moment don't remember why. Don't forget why you're there. Yeah. Like the next day, get up and mm-hmm. and go hard at
1: it. Mm-hmm. I love that advice. It's amazing. Um, so we always ask people um, if they've got a funny story. This is Talk Twenties, after all. Mm-hmm. And if they have got a funny story, uh, a moment in your adult life where you feel like you've absolutely failed at something or you know something funny has happened and you thought I can't even call myself an adult if you uh got any funny stories at all
0: times when I've thought I can't even call myself an adult (laughs) every day (laughs) um every single day there was a conversation I was having with Claudia the other week and I recommended this book to her and I was like, oh, it's really good in terms of like helping you understand wider business context and your role within it and things like this. Um, if anyone wants to read it, it's called Rocket Fuel. Mm. And she was like, oh, this is perfect because um, I don't know what I'm doing. And then she looked at me like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, no, I get what you mean. I get what you yeah. mean. I know what I'm doing. Mm. I just don't know what I'm doing and it was was just one of those moments where like we're having a serious it feels like a serious meeting where we're like yeah um if anyone reads the book they're called like same page meetings where you know the two people who are leading up the business come together and make sure that everything's on track and you're looking at um clients financials this 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 it's a serious meeting and then all of a sudden the guard is let down it's like do you know what are you doing yeah because i don't (laughs) but we're going to figure it out anyway um And I think that's the important thing to remember. I think Mm -hmm. anyone listening to this podcast by design is probably ambitious. Um, And it's just like, don't take yourself too seriously. Like none, trust me, none of us know what we're doing. None of us do. So yeah, hopefully that takes the edge off. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. So Ash, if you could look back at your 20 year old self, Mm look him in the eye and just say one thing to him, what would you say apart from make sure you meet Stephen Bartlett? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: You were right. Because all those times being sat like, especially early twenties where, you know, I had friends telling me that I was like this one friend in particular that really sticks out. um, That, like, because I was on the dole would talk down to me and things like this. Mm. And I have this unshakable self-belief mm-hmm. in those moments, but then somebody can say something that can just, you know. Make you have a wobble. Um, and I'm just glad that through, uh, no matter how hard it got, and it got hard, it got real hard, that like the fire burned real low. and But it never went out. And now mm-hmm. that flame just grows and grows and grows. Mm-hmm. And it's unstoppable now Mm -hmm. until it's a bonfire one day.
1: (laughs) I love that. Well, Ash, you've been so amazing and so inspiring to listen to. This is one of those episodes I'm going to listen back to over and over again for my own inspiration, I think. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Talk 20s podcast. I hope it inspired you in some way and pops a little pep in your step for this week got a spare minute it would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe leave a review or share this episode with a friend we're on a mission to help as many 20 somethings navigate their 20s as we can and we really cannot do it without your support we also love to hear from you you can find us on all platforms via the handle at talk 20s and if you're struggling with something in your 20s that we haven't already covered in the podcast dm us and let us know so we can cover it in a future episode And for more stories of inspiration and resources to help you make the best of your 20s, head to our website, talk20s.com.